the term success meant you are a principal dancer in a big ballet company. That was success to me. So like, even as a solo, like oh, I'm not, I'm only a soloist. I gotta be a principal. And now like looking at the path I've had, if you would have told me I was going to take this path, one path, one, I wouldn't have believed you Two, I'd been like, no way, man, not doing that. Like I have to be a principal. And so it's just sort of like, yeah, it's, that doesn't necessarily mean success. Like it's, it's who you are as a person. It's the people you inspire. It's, you know, it's, wearing the tiara doesn't mean you're a success. I mean, Welcome to the Artist Becoming Podcast. Hey, Jess. Hey, Shelby, a five, six, seven, eight. Join us in weekly conversations with performing artists across stages, studios, rings, fields, and screens. Every conversation, a chance to dive deep into the story of their becoming. All right, Shelby, let's get on into it. This episode's conversation features our guest, Catherine Morgan, a guest artist and master teacher, former soloist dancer with New York City Ballet and Miami City Ballet, a game-changing ballerina and YouTube star, and a true artist becoming. Here we go. We would like to welcome you, Catherine Morgan, to Artist Becoming, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So good to be here. It's such a joy. You have such an illustrious and unique career path, and mm-hmm. we have we have tons of questions for you. Um, but we thought that a unique place to start would be um, asking you a bit about the evolution and and path and journey of your career, and how the the environment and community that you have built around it has um, has helped you to both process the timing of your decisions, um, the circumstances of your health, which you've been pretty kind of public facing about. And um, just share with us a bit of that community building aspect of your journey. It's, it's sort of been the entire story, really. I mean, and it never, that was never the intention. You know, I was in New York at SAD and then got hired super young. Um, And you were there. (laughs) You were a baby star. I was like, I'm hitching my wagon to her. Um, and it was just one of those things that I got so many roles early. It was just like, what could go wrong? You know, like what possibly could go wrong at this point? Um, and then through the illness, you know, as you know, being in that environment, like any sort of thing that goes wrong can just throw it all off. I gained 45 pounds in six weeks. I mean, it was just like this horrible thing. And so it was a battle for two years. I think a lot of people know that story. And so once I left, I just sort of wanted to stay relevant. Rumors had been circling. And at that point, the internet was a thing, obviously, but social media was just getting started. I remember, you know, the day Twitter came out, I was like, what is this? You know, while I was in New York. And so I just started doing little posts through Facebook just to kind of stay like, hi, I'm still here. That turned into a blog. And then that turned into the YouTube channel. And it just sort of Mm -hmm. happened with wanting to stay relevant, wanting to help the younger generation because ballet is such a closed off, nothing can look wrong, elitist world at that Mm -hmm. point. And so I thought, well, let me see what I can do and just sort of open it up and start talking to the young ones and tell them, you know, what I wanted to know at 13, 14, 15. And that turned into more than just the young dancers, which I did not anticipate. I mean, I would say over half of my viewers and followers are adults. 
And I had no idea there was an adult ballet community, none, because, you know, you're led to believe that you only do ballet if you want to be a professional. And anybody who doesn't want to be a professional, bye-bye, you know, (laughs) sort of like, and I had no idea it was this whole, whole community. And so the videos kind of took off from there. I started the Dance Spirit Magazine column and I started teaching and it just became this whole thing. And my, my viewers on YouTube became friends almost. And we sort of created this, this group of us and, and this community that I just tried to be honest from day one and not pretend that, yes, I wear the tutu and the tiara and all is great. You know, like that's not what really happened. And people had no idea. Oh, I didn't think about the fact that you have to understudy, be in the back of the room for the first year and know everybody else's part and only stand there for six hours a day you know just not a thing you think you get into the company you start dancing little things like that and so it just sort of grew and grew and grew and I think we're in this especially now the last few years we're in a society where people would rather know and have people be open and honest and the whole fake princess thing does not work anymore Mm -hmm. it just doesn't and so I try and be very open about everything and that's health and ballet and what happens. And I think people have really started to appreciate that in the last few years more than anything else. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think something that you're speaking to that is really resonant in so many of the conversation, everything you said was crazy resonant in every conversation we've had, but, but, but a big part of it is like, where are you hiding? Because that, that is probably the, the breakthrough point. Mm-hmm. And it's so, I think it's just on a mental level for, I'm thinking of our youngest dancers who when I, I'm sort of curious about like, how do we change, how do we change that? How do we change the minds to understand that? Because I, I'm thinking about myself in my almost 30 body and how much I hide and, and the parts of me that I'm still afraid to bring forward. And as you do, and which is what you experienced, the more you did, the more you found community, the more you mm-hmm. found that you were impacting people by impacting them, they were impacting you and probably your healing. And um, I'm curious, I'm curious to know, did you, did you notice a pivot in your own trajectory and mindset as you started to reveal maybe the things that you were so carefully like hiding in terms of even through your artistry or through relationships? Was there like some shift that happened in that, in that process of, of wearing those things at the front of you? Oh, absolutely. It was, a, it was almost a relief in a way that I didn't have to be so perfect anymore. Because one of the things when I went back into the ballet world and went to Miami for a year people who came to my performances said nothing about the performance. They were like, thank you so much for all that you do. I feel like I can relate to you. I've gone through this and this and this. And then they just start pouring out their own health struggles, eating disorder, like everything. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like they finally feel like, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one dealing with this. And they feel like they can share. And so for me, going out on stage was no longer about, and even in in videos that I post or things that I do, I don't feel like I have to be the perfect little ballerina where nothing can go wrong and I can't put a foot wrong. You know, when I flub something up or, you know, it's like, okay, that's, it happens. Hmm. You know, And I felt like I I don't have to hide anymore who I am. I can be 100% me. Um, and I think it's again about being that open role model, especially for the younger ones, because I remember when I was young, 
you know, all our ballet news came through Dance Magazine, Point Magazine, and Dance Spirit. That was it. You know, and so we like read the magazine every month and you'd see the perfection and you'd see you could pull the poster out of the magazine and put it on the wall. And you had no idea the concept of who these people really were because they were all very carefully crafted articles, photo shoots, you know, and you just think that that's, you know, it. I remember having a poster of Jennifer Ringer on my wall and I adored her. And then when I got to City Ballet and got to know her as a person, and she was very honest with me about everything she went through and took me under her wing, I adored her 10 times more than I did when she was hanging on my wall. And it wasn't because she was a fantastic dancer, it was because of who she was as a person. And I think that's the first step for young dancers to know. First of all, all of us go through things. And second of all, it's teachers caring about the kids is more than just their dancing caring about them as people. And so I think that once again, I sort of opened up to everything. It didn't become about how many pirouettes I did. It was my story. And then that story resonated with people when they watched me dance. It just became more humanizing, really. Mm -hmm. Just speaks to the depth of your artistry, which even as a kid was so was your you've always danced and been kind of ahead of your years in terms of in my personal um opinion of you yeah Yeah, (laughs) truly you've been such a a mentor professionally for me whether you know that or not but what you just what just came up for me Katie was um in those point magazines which I obviously like inhaled as well and Mm -hmm. there they always had that one feature article which was like inside so-and-so's dance bag you know Mm -hmm. and and I just wonder how the audience and the population of readers would respond or perhaps feel connected to the content itself if if inside someone's dance bag was like their mental health Mm -hmm. (laughs) like self-doubt um baggage setbacks injuries and it's just fascinating to me how there's there's room, there should be room and space held for that conversation, you know, and that's what you're doing. You're providing space for people to be like, oh, actually, yeah, I identify with that a lot more than the rollers and the, you know, bird seed snack bar that you have in the side of your cute dance bag, you know, like, what if that was the conversation? <laughs> I think, and the, again, that's very humanizing because I remember reading those articles and yeah. that particular one and not caring about what point she was in the bag. I wanted to know what food was in, are they, are they a human being? Do they eat or does this dancer starve? Like what, you know, and I think it's the same thing. And that's one of the things I learned when I spoke about what happened in Miami recently. I thought for a while, I, I went back and forth on whether or not to say anything. And once I did and the outpouring of similar stories, I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. You know, I'm not actually crazy. This happens to so many people and we just cover it up. We don't talk about it. And I think that stems from the culture of ballet. As you all know, when you're young, you are made to know you are replaceable. And if any one little thing pops the illusion of perfection, well, we got somebody else, you know. And so I I think people totally, as I'm seeing, they responded by not only being like, thank you, but yes, here's what happened to me too. Um, so a hundred percent. And it's so interesting because we've, we've spoken a lot about that dispensable, the, the, the dispensable quality of being a dancer, being Broadway, doesn't matter, ballet, Broadway, especially if you're on Broadway, there's three understudies. And I learned through personal experience, like I, I was in one show and I, I had this mentality of like, never miss a show. That's crazy on Broadway because you're doing <laughs> oh like, you are literally doing eight shows a week. And I, I think mm-hmm. I made it 
to a hundred. And then on the like 150th show or something, I dislocated my shoulder during the show. Mm. And I, I, you know, was at the end of the show. So I made it through the whole show. And the next performance was, I think it was luckily the Sunday night. And the next performance was after the day off. And I called the, the choreographer was called and it was like, you know, that's a really dangerous kind of manipulative move. Like, can we change it? And the whole artistic staff was like, no. And so I just decided, I was like, okay, then I'm still going to do it. Right. But the worthy version of myself would have said, you know, the PT, all the doctors were basically like, no, you can't do this. Like you need a full six weeks off and then they have to change the choreography and then they, but there was this feeling and I remember hearing it on the phone. Like they were like, we don't really care because we, you do have three understudies and we don't care, (laughs) you know? And I was, Mm. and I didn't at that point, I think now a year and a half later, I would be like, okay, sorry then. But I didn't understand that it's okay. It's kind of okay to be dispensable because you aren't, you aren't. If they Mm -hmm. see you as that, your health comes first. I mean, yeah, I just, I yep. just, that concept is just, it, it's like where, and it, it does show up. And I wonder, like, did you experience that showing up in personal life? Because I think I feel that I feel like some of those qualities I picked up from dance career of being dispensable or in dating and in job interviews that Shelby and I have, you can't help it. You start to mm-hmm. think that those ways of being are normal, you know? I think one of the things that's ingrained in us as being dancers is just to always assume it's our fault, always assume we did it wrong. And because yeah. your your job is to literally be told it's not right. Exactly. Did I get fix your leg? Do the thing. So you're like, <laughs> okay, what did I do wrong? And so it's a constant game of always blaming yourself, always saying it wasn't good enough. And just the ingrained work ethic of fixing it, fixing it, fixing it. Okay, it's on me to fix it. And so <laughs> I'm choking. Sorry. Um, just fix it, fix it, fix it. And so that carry, Oh, completely carries over into regular life too, of always assuming what did I do wrong? Yeah. I have that personality. Like, what did I do wrong? What yeah. did I, my current boyfriend, Chris, like, I, like if he's upset, I'm like, what did I do? He's like, this has nothing to do with you. Like, and he's a dancer too. He's a dancer too. So it's like, it completely is just ingrained, 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 because that's our job is to strive for perfection. And if it wasn't perfect, okay, what was wrong? Fix it, you know? And so 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, going from New York City Ballet, where you were in a very young, hungry, SAB mindset um, child, basically going into the company, and then you you had this break, and then you you rejoined and came out um, of retirement, which is another question I have, but we'll, we'll pocket that for a moment coming back into Miami City Ballet with a very different mindset, with a very different relationship with yourself, your healing, your body, your strengths, your weaknesses, advocating for yourself. Um, how did that feel? It's funny you say that because I went into Miami going, I'm going to be different this time. I'm going to enjoy it this time. I'm going to not care. Within two weeks of being there, I got back into 17-year-olds living and dying by what the person in the front of the room thought completely like I will do anything to fit what they want me to fit. And so that's when I started, stopped eating, you know, started starving again and like just got back into those patterns. And this was for months and months and months and roles kept taking away. And I was, I was making myself nuts. 
And then it was finally stepping back over. It was about New Year's that I went to my doctor and he looked at my blood work and he was like, what the heck? This is terrible. Like you're actually making yourself ill. And that's when I went, okay, hold on. All these things I said I was going to do and have the mindset that I was going to have, I didn't. And now I was able to just kind of step back from and go, yeah, this is messed up. Like, and I, and I looked around and I thought all these young ones and even some of the older principals, just like, you know, I'm like, you're almost 40 and, and it's this young kid mindset. And that's when I was finally able to sort of say, I'm not doing this again. I don't want to come back. I'm, I did one season and I'm out because I finally was able to see the value of mental health and doing all of this and starving and for, for what, you know, and that's when I was able to reflect on it in that one year, I was crazy again, (laughs) back to nuts. And then it was just like, yeah, I'm there at the time I was 31 and I'm acting like my 17 year old self. What happened to the decade of growth that I had? What happened to the decade of being on YouTube and telling the truth and being authentic and advocating for yourself. And then I just, I lose it all. Like it just, it didn't make sense to me. So it's interesting you say that. You know, Shelby, I think it's so relevant to the conversation we've had in a couple emails we've been getting of people interested in signing up. And one recently was like, you know, I've done all this work during it's your, your story is like a perfect metaphor for something a lot of people had experienced during the quarantine and the pandemic, you know, that didn't go through the history that you've gone through to have the revelations that you've had, but had their own mini, like I step, I was forced to step away. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with the things I pushed down and then they're starting to re-enter studios and they're like, Oh, it's all creeping back. Like what <laughs> happened? What? No, 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 no. Now I'm, I, I told myself I was going to like be a little bit more this and it's already, um, it's just, yeah. Shelby, do you have a reflection on that? I was just going to share that I've been teaching throughout this past year. I'm teaching yoga for New York city ballet and, oh, um, which has been great. It's been great because it's been fascinating to stay connected to the dancers in this time. Um, with a, with a modality that is extraordinarily different on your mental health and well-being than, than the dance type of movement. And um, Jess and I were talking about having kind of a, a small chat, big topic uh, over uh, anxiety of re-entry anxiety. And my, you know, kind of like high level, I thought of that topic would be around just competition, like, which is going to be even more so now, because everyone's trying to get a job or everyone's trying to keep their job and just kind of like the like the anxiety surrounding all the pressures of the career. And I spoke with a couple of, of city ballet dancers about this. And, and contrary to that, what came up for them was like, they were like, both of them said, I have so much anxiety around falling back. And they like pointed to their minds, you know, they're like falling back to that headspace, you know, yeah. which I know is toxic. And I just, I, it's almost as if they don't, Tr- the, the anxiety is in not trusting yourself to integrate your lessons and you just transparently and vulnerably spoke to catching yourself in just that and and the truth of the matter is like that's instinctive like we're we're trained from itty bitties to show up in the room that way um so it's only natural it's it's, it's kind of like a mind muscle memory and it's not surprising to think that you get back into that studio and it's like buns in 
right. identity, <laughs> identity is shaped. You're, you're back. I can yep. only, it's been five years since I retired. And I know that if I got back into a studio, that would happen. And I feel like I'm, all I do is the work as like a yoga instructor. So it is, it's a, an accountability, you know, that you have to hold yourself to. And I, I, we honor you for, for recognizing that within yourself and, and knowing when you needed to make an even bigger shift and change. So now are you, your full-time teaching, speaking, advocating, like what's, what's a day in the life? It changes because I'm still technically dancing with my new project, Catherine Morgan and friends that I've started. I'm now Catherine Morgan incorporated. And so, yeah, (laughs) oh girl, that happened. So we're, I'm trying to start, well, I'm not trying, I am starting this whole project where it, my, my biggest focus right now is bringing the joy back to ballet. That is like my tagline because that's why we start it. We love it. That's why we get in crazy mental patterns because we love it and we'll do anything for it. But the problem is we've lost the joy because we're so worried about feet, the leotard, what everybody thinks and how I look and what are my fingers doing, you know, and we've lost the whole point of ballet. So the, what I'm trying to do is start, that's the tagline. Mm -hmm. And ideally once the pandemic's over, I will start touring. Um, I'll bring in several professionals with me in each city. The idea is sort of like us going to do galas in different cities. However, um, we'll also do master classes for the ballet schools there. We will incorporate the local dancers within the performance because I remember doing that when I was younger, City Ballet. I think 10 of them came to do a gala in Alabama where I'm from. And we, the advanced kids got to open the show. They did the rest of the show. And it was like, I, and I, again, I don't remember what they danced. I just remember being in class with Jenny Ringer and Rachel Rutherford and Chuck and just like watching all of them and watching them backstage and watching Jenny put her shoes on in the Rosenbox. I mean, it was just like, you know, like I don't remember what they danced. And so that experience is what I want to bring. It's not just a gala and leave, you know, mm-hmm. it's incorporating the community. Um, but right now, I mean, I have a great partnership with Ballet West. I'm not a dancer there, but I use the studios and when they're not there um, and kind of do my own class, I'll film, I'll teach a couple of days a week. I teach online. I kind of have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies doing a lot of master classes, um, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of everyday changes. But the, the biggest thing for me is being my own boss. Like I go into the studio for me now and there's no artistic director to please. And I find I'm dancing better than I was before because I'm not into crazyville <laughs> in my brain. So, you know, <laughs> just like, right. So it's, it's just like, oh, well, that didn't go well. Let's try again. Instead of, I don't want to try it again because it's not going to be perfect. And they're going to be hate. They're going to hate me. I'm like, let's try again, you know? Yeah. So, and that's why I film myself here and there because on my Instagram, I want people to see that I am still dancing and I'm still in shape, you know, but it's really just be creating my own brand at this point and being my own boss. And it's, lovely it's quite lovely wow I I have a question regarding um and first of all I just I feel that so much like bringing the joy back letting yourself dance I'm not dancing mm-hmm. ballet but when I put my music on and I just let it and nobody needs to tell me that was cute or that wasn't right that feels <laughs> totally. great. Um, but something I wanted to ask you was because a lot of our workshop is about We've got the guided meditations, we've got the yoga, we've got the conversations. Um, there's this whole theme around returning to self, returning to that beginning feeling, returning to the the reason you started in the first place, and then kind of moving through the stages. I know that with um, 
like that moment that you came to with the blood work where it's so unfortunate that you had to have the doctor look at you to tell you, you know, like, no, no, the cuckoo you feel like is mm-hmm. for real. And yeah. I have the same, I have Hashimoto's. I've gone through the whole same thing. I'm in mm-hmm. the thick of it right now. And I'm so sorry. I know. It's, and it was, yeah. there was an, um, there was a point of stress where it just like my emotional stress literally exploded and my body was like, we can't handle it. Mm-hmm. So what I'm curious for the people inside of our workshop is what were the, what was it for you that when you are stressed or you realize that you're starting to go to a certain place, what is it, it that grounds you? Or what is it that, because not everyone's dealing with the same health issues, but just in terms of like, are there a couple little tools in your toolkit that you know to go to? Like, it could be a dance thing. It could be a human thing, like that kind of gives you that soul food. I think for me, it was putting ballet aside for a second. Like if I'm stressed, particularly has something to do with ballet or weight or whatever. Um, It's taking a day and not doing any of that. And that's okay. You're allowed. Because again, the ingrained dancer in us is I have to go to class. I have to do this. And actually, if I just, if I feel the stresses for me, it manifests itself into my throat tightens up because my thyroid swells. And so the throat tightens up. I feel, start to feel puffy. Like I just feel it. I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. here we go. And so it's a day of nope, step back. And if I have to teach classes that day, I cancel them. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry, you guys can't do it today because, you know, I don't charge people unless they're in the class. So I don't feel bad about canceling last minute because you're not going to be charged. And it happens very rarely, but I don't, I know that I can't show up for them as my best self that day. So I don't want to charge them for that class. And it's okay just to kind of go, nope, I need a day. I need a day. Go away. Go watch something on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the diet that day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. so just take a day for you. That's, that's my big one. Um, making sure that Chris and I have time for things, you know, like, okay, we need a day to not talk. Cause that's one of the problems with dating somebody who's in the same field. Like, let's not yeah. talk about ballet today. <laughs> like, let's not, um, you know, just having those dates. And I think it's allowing yourself to be like, you know what? I need a day for me because so many of us put everybody else first, everybody else first, or I have to go to class. I have to strive. I have to, I'm, I'm a lazy, horrible human being if I don't work hard <laughs> today. And yeah. so it's just taking a step back and that's okay. You're like, you're allowed to, you're allowed to say, nope, not today. You know? And I find if I take a, a day for me or a weekend for me, I come back refreshed and re-energized and excited. Also, in terms of Hashimoto specific, for me, I just avoid gluten like a plague. If I have gluten, not only do I physically feel it, I don't know if you feel this too, Jessica, but like I start to get moodier. I'm like, oh, I had gluten yesterday and I feel like I'm going to like claw everybody's eyes out. Okay. <laughs> like, well, well, this, is hmm. interesting. Might be, this is interesting maybe for people listening in terms of like listening listening to the body or finding balance. Um, I was always didn't eat gluten. When I was, I was a ballerina. I was, you guys are at SAB. I was at SFB. I was on the other coast doing the same type. Of. <laughs> and I went gluten-free at that time. Cause my mom had celiac. She had Hashimoto's and I just thought, Oh yeah, I'm going to do that too. And I'm a ballerina. So I'm going to eat as clean as possible. And I'm going to do that. And then I came out of my career and in the last year I felt really balanced and like good in my body 
And I was like, maybe like I made that up. Maybe I made the gluten thing up and that was a crazy ballerina thing. And now I can have it. And I just kind of relaxed and I became very relaxed. And I noticed, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm losing weight. I'm really looking good. Everyone's giving me compliments. And then I realized then the thyroid just exploded. And, and it was, I think the gluten just was a catapult. But I, I really wanted to explore, like, maybe I made that up. But mm-hmm. the ballerina in me, because I was losing weight, felt oh, this means healthy. Losing weight means healthy. And that doesn't always mean healthy. And then for no. me, it meant actually bad, really bad. Like something's really wrong because, so I think, I think that it's another way in which dancers have to know your own healthy. Like we don't all have the same healthy. For some mm-hmm. of us, healthy is curvy. For some of us, healthy is lean and strong. And if you're, so focused on listening to everyone else around you, you're not, your body is the most wise, like your body is pure wisdom and is talking to you all the time. And I think that what you are sharing so vulnerably and what I haven't done as good of a job of sharing, and I'm sure I could do a better job so that people feel seen and heard is that sometimes that things that look good on the outside don't mean things are working well on the inside. And that's a metaphor for all of life. And that's a metaphor for social media. I mean, it goes to everything, but yeah, gluten is a no for me, dog. (laughs) And it's, it's so interesting you say that too, because for me with diet and body, the more I stress about it, and if I restrict and I have to lose weight, I end up gaining weight. Like it's it's the opposite effect. Like if I'm like, all right, I'm going to eat for fuel and health and just listen to my body and not stress about it. That's when I'm at my best. It's the hardcore crazy that does not work at all. And and going back to what you said about social media, that's another thing I like to remind people is like, okay, do you ever post awful photos of yourself on social media? No, because you don't want people to see that. Remember, no one else is either. So what you see on social media is this wonderful, glorious, everything is, I'm hashtag blessed life. And it's not, it's not always that. It's not so always that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we talk about that and it's like, I, I can post a picture looking great. What you don't see is the chunk of my hair that's gone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And so it, I think there's a, there is. And even saying that just now, I'm like, oh no, now people are going to know, but it's like, (laughs) that's just part of life. And that's a physical thing. We all have emotional things that are the same. And, and even writing something really vulnerable, it's not like sitting with someone and sharing a conversation. So for people listening, if there's a friend that you think's going through something or you're going through something, I think what you're inspiring is like, talk to that, don't hide, like talk to that person have a cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I find it takes so much more energy to maintain the facade of perfection. Just like everything is wonderful and da, 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 da. And I'm, you know, like sometimes it's just like, yeah, I got bald spots from Hashimoto. Do you know what I mean? Like here's all this hair that's like fell out. So it's sometimes so it's relieving to like say I'm not because then you don't have to maintain it forever and ever. Yes. so much of what you're both speaking to is permission. And uh, it's like, if we, if we could just 
create a new normal in which, you know, people showing up authentically and being acknowledged for that in, in a way that is, is celebrated and honored. You know, it's like the, the Instagram versus real life thing that, that trends. And it's like, well, obviously we're not just going to like fill everyone's feeds with all of our real life photos because no one's going to get followed and no one's going to get likes. Right. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> no. those, that's what resonates with people, you know, like that is what resonates. And I watched Katie, the, the video that you, you tell the story of why you're, you decided to leave Miami. And I was like, this is fantastic because the story itself is hard to digest, you know, and I'm sure you're still metabolizing it. And it's something that we speak to inside the workshop is metabolizing setbacks, whether that's injury, a global pandemic, a, you know, a health concern that physically as dancers and as athletes and performers, you know, we see the PT, we get the boot, we heal the physical injury, we stuff our feet back into point shoes, and we carry on and often way too, way too soon, you know, and so we, we heal physically. And we don't often give ourselves the time or the language or skill sets to metabolize those things on an emotional, mental, spiritual, what have you level. And so we carry all of that scar tissue with us into the studio, into our auditions, into our interviews and into our relationships. And it's just, it's, it's something that there's just never really been concrete or tangible support around and probably across industries, like outside of the performing arts world as well, you know? that it's taking people to start their own YouTube channels and, you know, workshops and, and Instagram communities or social media communities where we're taking back these platforms in a way um, to use them as this here, here's what everyone's experiencing. Let's all just kumbaya for a minute in the yeah. sick, in the sick of the human condition, because it sucks to do this and it really sucks to do it alone. So might as well make friends with complete strangers through your healing process. 100%. Absolutely. I mean, it's that and that's, I think, why most people follow me. I don't really think they follow me for the dancing. I mean, at this point, it's it's all about the story. And thank you for being there. And thank you for this. And thank you know, and I'm like, this is a problem. If so many people are feeling this lonely and feeling like they're the only one and, and like sinking, sinking, sinking there, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, what, how do we fix this? You know? Yeah. Conversation heals. It's a starting point. It's a starting point for sure. Yeah. Do you notice any sensitivity in your own language now that you're teaching that when you're on the other side? Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, first of all, will never, ever talk to a student about like about their weight at all. Like, because I know that if, if there is a weight struggle, it's not about the weight. There's something else there. And so I encourage teachers to, well, I don't have a school, but like, don't come at it from, so we noticed you're gaining weight. Like, that's mm-hmm. not helpful. Um, come at it from, so how are you doing? What's ha-? And that student might just be like, and let it out. And then you go, there it is. And you don't even have to go there because it's, it's manifesting itself into this you know, mental state and, and the problems they're having. Um, but I also am very aware of things just like saying, pull your stomach in. I don't say pull your stomach in anymore. I say support with your core abs, you know, abs up abs support. You know, I say abs, not stomach. Yeah. So it's, it's just little things. And now it's become a habit. And I think a lot of teachers think that if they're nice, that means the students aren't working hard and they are not, that's not the case. 
at all. You can still be very nice and uplifting and fun and still push and get them to work hard. Because I always found with the teachers that were nice and were encouraging, I worked the hardest in those classes. It's the teachers that were mean and awful and berating that I just like shrunk back. Um, And so just because you're nice and encouraging doesn't mean they're going to be slacking off. I think that that's, they're not mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's, there's a, there's a way to do it. There's a way to, to care about the students more than just their dancing. And I think that that's, you know, show them you care about them as people first and then, you know, then they'll feel supported and they'll be free to try and push. Cause I always, you know, again, going back to me, I just wanted to sink and hide if I didn't feel like, you know, it didn't inspire me to work harder at yeah. all. So yeah, I'm very aware of my language when I'm teaching. It's amazing. Cause that, that's a two way street, you know, like if I look back and think about if my ballet pro- t- teachers approached teaching as like, I'm, I'm, holding humans first and dancers second on top of their humanness, then, you know, as a, as a human that I might also want to put more effort and weight into the human identity um, with a side of dance identity. And that's just not, you know, that's just not how it's been. And I, I speak about and write about this a lot ever since I retired was that I never felt, I never gripped my dance identity so hard until I retired from it. And then I was just like grappling for who I am in my, meaning and you know what I'm doing with my life and Mm -hmm. I think that that is just a a really powerful two-way street I think there's a lot of potential for change there absolutely because I see it I mean I see it with the teachers that do implement the caring and it's like the kids just blossom they blossom um and I'm also on this kick with adult ballet students too I think adults do it because they love it. Every adult that takes ballet is there because they want to be there, not because a parent put them in ballet. Um, and so they, they don't get taken seriously. They, they kind of often get laughed at, well, you're never gonna be a dancer. So, but those are the people who genuinely love it and want to yeah. be there and want to improve. Um, so it's not just with the young ones, it's with adults too, that that's super important. Yeah, so, so true. Lauren spoke to that too. Lauren Lovett was like saying how she'd started teaching class and I think it was open-ended and it turned out to be all these like older dancers Mm -hmm. and she was just loving it (laughs) and I do remember kind of going to take open um at the local studio when I'd be home from a season go to my studio and be with all the people that were like the crew that are there every day and I part of me being like okay that's kind of silly like you know that's silly and actually it's like no that's soul that's soul right there I should be learning from them I don't need to I don't need to demonstrate the combo like they should be demonstrating (laughs) I have regular most minor adults too especially now on zoom who are have just stuck with me like they're like I'd rather take with you online than go back to my studio and I'm like really so I see them almost every day. Well, now I teach only twice a week. But at one point I was seeing like the same crop of people every single day and they just do it because they love it. And one of them said to me that I said in the recent video, I said, she said, you know how you play the piano? I said, yeah. She's like, do you, do you want to be a professional concert pianist? I said, no. She's like, do you ever think you'll be a professional concert pianist? I said, no. She said, but you want to improve, right? And you want to be able to play different pieces and get better and be the best you can at it. She's like, that's me with ballet. And I was like, 
oh, <laughs> I get it now. Because they don't, they don't want to be professionals. They don't think they're going to be professionals, but it's like playing an instrument. They want to get as good as they can to be able to do all of it because they love it. It's not a career. It's a, it's a passion and a love. And that's when they're not taken seriously. It, it's sort of a slap in the face. You know, it'd be like us taking a musical instrument and being like, well, you're not going to be a professional, so I'm not really going to teach you. Figure it out. You know, and it completely, I got it at that point. I went, I get it. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, that's so great. You know what? It's, yeah. it's in yoga. We talk about how it's the class, you take yoga, but you're not trying to perform it. Like you take yoga because you're committing yourself to a practice that is centuries old and scientifically proven to like calm you down basically like that's the intention and it's so funny because for me it was a real shift like going into a studio where the if there was a mirror there at all it was to acknowledge um the fact that you showed up for yourself um for your practice oh that's good and I was just like (laughs) (laughs) like oh and Shelby had to literally because she Shelby got me back into yoga we were in New York and for the first couple practice I would have these clothes on it's a hot yoga studio okay it's hot yoga I'm in the whole thing and I ha- didn't have a sports bra and I remember <laughs> Sarah Strimmel shout out yeah. she she was a Broadway actress and um she was a yoga teacher and she was like girl like you're gonna need to get a sports bra like she was like you need to kind of like I don't like this lace whatever you have doing you're doing but Shelby was just kind of like it's not about the mirror like it's not about it's not a performance and each day I would okay, she'd bring me into the studio and I'd practice alongside her. And it was like each day, another layer of clothing came off each day, another, like till the point where I was like naked and I was just (laughs) doing my thing. It felt so good. And sometimes we need a friend or someone to, to help us reorient that perspective. And I think you're doing that for your community and we're hoping to bring people in that are doing that and do that ourselves. And Thank you, yeah. Shelby, for doing that for me as a friend. Amazing. Oh That's amazing. It's, it's a great shedding, you know, and I and I feel obliged to admit that like, yeah, I definitely stand in like the back corner and I'm sweating bullets. So it's more of a peripheral blur vision of what I look like. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's, a, that's a conscious choice if I'm being quite honest, but it was more of just the day that that occurred to me. I was like, wow, what a powerful switch you know and how like even just tiny little switches like that like what what your um adult client provided for you of looking at that so differently it's so freeing it's like shackles off okay I can see something that I that's coming up in my day coming up in my week on the daily um in a way that is empowering humbling and um just completely expansive you know of how you show up to your passion or your hobby or your job and I think that that's just so cool. I think that's so neat. And I've gotten to that point actually with ballet because for a very long time, I was a strictly black tights girl. Black tights, leg warmers, think like how many layers can we wear and get away with? <laughs> you know, yeah. now that I'm doing this for me, I like wear pink tights all, I don't wear black tights anymore. I pretty much wear pink tights. I wear whatever color I want. And it's, that's freeing too. Do I look like I did when I was in New York? Nope, but I don't care. <laughs> I want to wear blue today. So blue and a blue skirt that goes with pink tights. You know, it's not, it's not, I don't hide anymore behind that. So yeah, I relate to that too. Yeah. No hiding. Can can I ask Catherine, because you're such a, 
you're such a singular voice in this industry. And I'm curious if you feel like you had mentorship, like you're a leader in this space. And I'm curious if you feel like you've had, and you don't have to name them necessarily, but whether they were dancers or not, do you have people that freed you to step into your own worth in the way that you have? I mean, when I was first ill, it was Jennifer Ringer who took me to coffee and said, I've been through similar things and da, 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 because, you know, it's such a big company. And at the time it was aesthetic, 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 aesthetic. And it was horrifying to be looking in the mirror going, what am I seeing? And she really sort of took me under her wing in terms of getting through it and it's going to be fine and you're worth more. So I started to get a little bit from her. But then honestly, it was once I left City Ballet, I pretty much have done it all on my own. Honestly, my family has been there. But for a long time, even my own parents were like, well, it's what you got to do if you want to be a dancer. Sorry. And they have since been like, oh, we get it now, you know, because they just too, they were not dancers. So they were ingrained to believe that too bad deal. Um, And so it's sort of taken me a little bit of time. It was, you know, getting out of it, being able to reflect on it. And then I was married for a while and for, for only 10 months, 10 months in, find out he's been cheating on me since we were engaged. So yeah. So that was another whole like thing of what did I do wrong? (laughs) You know, that was like to the exponential power, but then again, getting out of that and going, okay, that had nothing to do with me. Not my problem, not my fault. And just getting back into ballet for me. So um, other than Jennifer Ringer, really, I have had to figure all of this out myself. And it has taken me, I mean, I've been on YouTube for seven years now and left New York City Ballet over a decade ago. So it's taken me a decade. But I really had nobody going, yeah, you're, you know, it was also ingrained in me to just sort of make lemonade out of lemons. Like, all right, that didn't work. What now? And that I attribute to my father. My father like let me wallow on the couch for a month and was like, all right, what's next? You know, so that in terms of career, I've always been that kind of person to like, all right, this didn't work. Now what? Miami didn't work. Now what? You know, so that sort of has been ingraining me. But really, I've had to kind of figure out all the mental stuff kind of by myself. So my God, you know, it's crazy because I feel like this community element is what people are so so hungry for right now, right. Mm -hmm. Is to feel like they're not experiencing their whatever in isolation. And, you know, it's, I, I have a lot of mentors in my life, but a a few of my friends are like, well, I I guess I don't have a mentor. Like, how do you get a mentor? And it's like, I've reached out, I've reached out cold to people on Facebook that I heard had my same labral tear injury. And what did you do? Do you mind sharing like your recovery with me? And that's turned into a relationship that I consider very much a mentorship. And I think what you're doing with your YouTube presence is you're mentoring mm-hmm. 200,000 plus people <laughs> um, <laughs> to put it lightly. And so I guess what my a question I have is like, how do you build boundaries for yourself that like you can't carry the weight of all of those people and what they're going through. So is there something that you do, whether it's just kind of a mental place that you, that you enter to just to kind of protect your own, because now you're in a very different seat and you hold a whole different version of your responsibility. That's a good, I, you know, I never really thought about it. Um, I have, I mean, I can't possibly reply to every message. I can't possibly reply to every comment. It's just not possible. So what I try and do is look for common denominators and go, okay, a lot of people have said this lately, or a lot of people going through this lately. And I'll try and do a video on that. 
I try and keep it pretty generalized in terms of when I offer advice on YouTube, something everybody can relate to, you know? Um, And I will occasionally, if I get a really a message that just touches me, I will absolutely reply to that person in-person students as well. You know, a couple uh, at Ballet West Academy who I know are going through Hashimoto's or going through something similar. I'm like, call me up. I'm here. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, I think because I am one of the first people doing this with so many people watching, I, I am, I'm able to stay a little more generalized, which is good. Um, I don't ever feel overwhelmed by all the problems that people are, are throwing at me. When I teach in-person master classes, I kind, kind of try and flip it around and make it more of a mentor class than a that how to point your feet class. You know, like they don't need, they, they know they need to turn out and point the feet or whatever. So I'll sort of try and go mental route on, on master classes as well to kind of hopefully maybe if I can touch one person in there or help one person in there, that's enough for me. But I never really have thought about it because I've never been that, I don't feel like people are unloading their problems on me. I'm just sort of here to, here to help. Um, and you know, again, those days where I need to not be the mentor and feel like I need a day for me, I take it. Yeah. You know, like I hate letting people down if I need to cancel a class, but sometimes I'm like, I cannot teach today. There is no way. So mm-hmm. I just do. So it's like recognizing when your cup needs to be filled in order to pour. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One time you just reminded me it's, it's rare. I mean, it's rare to have one good teacher in your entire life, whether that's academic dance, you name it, you name it. And um, I remember once watching a class that Daniel Ulbricht was teaching um, for students up in Saratoga. And he told a student to like, yeah, draw in their low belly, you know, and like fix their port de bras. And then he goes, he claps his hands and he goes, take a stand for yourself. If you stand for nothing, you're, you'll fall for anything. And I was just standing there watching and I was like, wow, like what a powerful, powerful thing to say. I think I was the person that needed to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Me yeah. And door. Danny's always been like that too. Danny's like, yeah. just Mr. Inspiration. Like he really yeah. is like, I don't know, watching him teach. It's never about the pirouettes. It's about what he has to say. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Which is cool because yeah. it's kind of a metaphor as to, you know, we're all trying to embody these roles as dancers, mm-hmm. as snowflakes, as whoever daughters relate in relationships and it's like just because the role has been defined one way doesn't mean that there's so many ways to expand beyond that and redefine redefine that role and um absolutely and that's what that's what you're doing you're redefining the role of ballerina well and I used to think again being the one who read the point magazines and everything that the term success meant you are a principal dancer in a big ballet company that was success to me so like, even as a solo, like, oh, I'm not, I'm only a soloist. I got to be a principal. And now like looking at the path I've had, if you would have told me I was going to take this path, one path, one, I wouldn't have believed you too. I'd have been like, no way, man, not doing that. Like I have to be a principal. And so it's just sort of like, yeah, it's, that doesn't necessarily mean success. Like it's, it's who you are as a person. It's the people you inspire. It's, you know, it's wearing the tiara doesn't mean you're a success. I mean, I was once, when I was 11 years old, went to ABT and one of the principals who shall remain nameless, um, we, this was a long time ago in the old, the olden era of ABT where there was like the superstars, you know, and I waited at the stage door with my program for 45 minutes and she came out and I said, can I have your autograph? And she goes, buy it at the boutique and walked away. 
And I was so traumatized by this. I, she was another one. I had her poster on my wall, ripped it down. And I said, mommy, if I am <gasps> a star like her, I will never do that. I will stand there and talk to anybody who wants my partner. Mm. I was so traumatized mm. and I've never forgotten that. Like I remember this principal superstar internationally renowned ABT principal. I never wanted to see her. Name. I didn't care. I didn't care. Yeah. That's pivotal. It was a pivotal yeah. moment. Yeah. My God. I mean, this was ages ago. She's no longer dancing, but like it was, I just, I'd never forgotten that. And yeah. so that's one of the reasons, even when I was young at City Ballet, I'll stand there for hours signing autographs if I had to, because that to me, like with Jennifer Ringer, Jenny Ringer taking me to coffee, her talking to me backstage, I didn't care what she looked like on the stage at that point. Yeah. I just talking to her meant more than her dancing. So I've never forgotten that. It's huge. And you don't, as a young dancer, you don't forget those snubs and you do not forget the dancers that take you under their wing. So the people that you give to, they will never forget it, ever. Another and person that did that to me was Wendy, Wendy Whalen. Mm. Just, just the sweetest, most yeah. giving person. She was, I was the year I did, I was an apprentice and I did Juliet at City Ballet. And it, it was, this was Sean Lavery's balcony. This was pre Peter Martin's full thing. So like two weeks in, I'm doing, and I remember it was, it was a big deal and it didn't sit well with a lot of people, rightly so, but she's in the lineup of the program. It went right before Firebird. It was Juliet intermission Firebird. And there's Wendy in full Firebird makeup thing on the head, the tutu. And I'm sitting, she's on and she's sitting there and she goes, how are you doing, Katie? You doing okay? I know this is a lot. And, and she's like full bird, like talking to me, like, it's gonna, you're doing great. And you know, and I was just like, <gasps> you know, just like, thank you. You know, just yeah. amazing. Amazing. Yeah. God, I love her so much. Like the Unsurprising. Grace, yeah. Just the grace yeah. beyond the performer, like the heart, the people that embody that it it goes so far beyond because what it did was those women did that to you and now you know what that feels like and you're doing it to 200,000 whatever on YouTube right so mm -hmm. it's like it we we can't underestimate the power of that pebble like rippling yeah yeah, yeah. the the takeaway for me here is also thinking of people listening and it's like okay well at what point can you consider yourself a mentor to reach down and, and take the person to coffee or at what point do you, do you have the audacity to reach up and ask the person to go to coffee with you, you know? And the truth of the matter is, is at any given point, you can reach up and you can reach down at any given point. You can be a corps de ballet member and you have a six-year-old cousin who idolizes you and you can send them your sign point shoes and we'll make their mm -hmm. entire year, you know? And, and alternatively, you know, you can, you can make it all the way up to the top, but I just think that there's so much those small little, those small little moments. I mean, they, they last. Here we are. Yes. Yes. I mean, even like the young core members in party scene, who are the party parents with their party kids, yeah. you know, they're brand new in the company, maybe no older than 18, 19. And these little party kids in party scene and Nutcracker are just like, <gasps> yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like, I see, I saw it you know, and they ask for their shoes. And even like some of the core members are like, I'm, I'm new here. They want my shoes. It's like, yes. Yeah. You don't have to be a superstar to make an impact. You know, you have to be a principal yeah. to make an impact. Like you can be the first year core and make an impact on those kids. And so, you know, oh, that's, 
I'm just thinking about we we just had our interview with Garen Scribner and mm -hmm. I am lucky I have a lot of mentors and he's been one of my biggest mentors his whole life and I met him when I was 14 Clara in the Nutcracker he was this cool hot soloist like just guy and he just always just is there for me and I was like what's that about and now 20 years you know whatever I'm forgetting all sense of time but 10 15 years later he's like been a mentor to me in so many different facets of life and he's here talking with us and talking with our community and um it it lasts it goes a really long way it, it extends so far beyond this the, that moment on stage mm -hmm. like those those planted seeds just they create their whole own network of like possibility yeah. community and, and it has yeah. nothing to do with how many pirouettes you did no, no. nothing none nope no, never none. never did never will <laughs> it's, yeah someone pointed this out to me recently or not long ago actually when I was writing something and they were like you know I, I talked to dancers and they it's a very hierarchical structure in the dance world you know you're apprentice your core your soloist it's mapped out in a way that's much more explicit than a lot of other industries and um often find that people are go, oh, well, I'm just an apprentice. I'm just a core member. I'm, I'm just a fairy tonight, you know? And why just? No, there are, there's generations of itty bitties out there that would dream of being an apprentice, you know, or being like a villager on stage. And it's just like, here we are. You finally make it to that point. You're like, oh, well, I'm just a snowflake tonight. So don't come to the show. It's just not a big deal, you know? And it's just like, wow, we need to check ourselves, y'all, because now... I am not a dancer and I'm just a person. And that's yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. 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 So yeah. we'll just, let's just snip that out of the vocab guys. Like we are, we're just human. That's true. That's true. Or yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I'm not sure. I think we're <laughs> more. <laughs> oh wow well you're such an expander Katie thank you for sharing this space with us and for sharing your story you are just wow superstar oh thank you I, I appreciate being here this I love you know I love being the mentor I love chatting and opening it up and and I think the important thing is that we're continuing the conversation that's how things start to change it's not yeah. just about yeah that needs to change it's how we got to keep it going you know yeah and what Absolutely. about just, I'm sure people are already following you, but where, where can we direct people to find you? What's, what do you got popping off right now? Um, Catherine underscore Morgan is my Instagram. Uh, Catherine Morgan is just the YouTube pop type it in pops up. Um, my website is Catherine Morgan online dot com it's getting an overhaul soon, but I think the URL is going to stay the same. So Catherine Morgan online. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, you are a true artist for coming and um, we honor you. you today, Catherine. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Okay, stay well. Want to connect further with our community at Artists Becoming? Rate and review this podcast and subscribe to stay on top of our weekly guest artist conversations and our small chats, big topics. Check out www.artistbecoming.com to learn more about our monthly subscription membership, 
filled with on-demand guided meditation and yummy yoga practices to support your unique journey as a performing artist. Follow along on Instagram at artistbecoming for sneak peeks and inspiring content and DM us the dream artists, athletes, performers, psychologists that you'd love to hear from or topics you'd like for us to unpack. Sharing is caring, so fire up that group chat, share to your stories, comment, share, 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 and just stay connected with us. We are here for your becoming.